Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. up 30, 40 feet in the air. I just left. I knew I was dead. And as I was up there, I noticed that even though it was a cloudy day, this light was shining over my shoulders. There was a light over my shoulders and it was illuminating everything in front of me. And I realized there was a person standing right there and he moved forward and he was standing. We were up in the air, but we were standing. And, uh, he is standing right next to me and I looked at him and he looked at me and it's like, oh, Jesus, oh, hey. It's like, how you doing? I knew that I had known him my entire life. It was not a surprise. I was not shocked. I was not thinking, what is a nice Jewish girl like me seeing Jesus? Why am I seeing Jesus? No, I knew this man. I knew him. And um, he, he was smiling at me. We were talking but I mean it's not like my mouth was moving but I know we were talking and he very quickly showed me my life I didn't have a whole lot to see because really and truly I was a good kid and he he uh I saw him from the time I was formed in my mother's womb he had been with me he had always been with me all my life and um you know just when I used to talk to God at night when I was a little kid he'd been there that he'd been there sitting by my bed I saw that after this life review and I was no longer really looking at the ground he took my hand and we flew we surfed I didn't go through a tunnel a lot of people I've heard people say they go went through a tunnel no tunnel it was like we had this wave of light under our feet and I know my feet were bare because I could feel the wave of light under my feet and it was pushing us forward. And we were holding hands and flying like Superman and Lois Lane. So faster and faster and faster, I saw a light. And it was getting closer and closer. And it was, it's a living light. And it's the brightest thing you can imagine, but I could look at it. And you would think it would burn you, but it doesn't. It's perfect. It's blemishless. And it takes up, that light took up my entire field of vision. It was infinite in its scope, but it was alive, and that light was love. And Jesus took me directly into the light, and the next thing I knew, I found myself sitting on God's lap. And I have a granddaughter, a two-year-old granddaughter, and you know, if she needs comforting or she wants to be held, she, she'll sit on my lap and bury her, her face in my chest and I'll put my arms around her and she'll, she'll have her arms around me. That's what I was doing. I was like a little kid. I was sitting on God's lap and I buried my face against his chest and I put my arms around him and he had his arms around me and I never, 
ever wanted to leave. I didn't want to leave. I just wanted to sit there forever and be held by God. And it's, I can't explain how God can be a light and God can be a man and God can be love. I, I can't explain it. I can't. But that's what I experienced. Fascinating stuff, huh? So this morning, what we're doing is we're wrapping up this series called Imagine Heaven. And it's all about recent scientific, medical, and especially corresponding biblical evidence surrounding people who have had NDEs or near-death experiences. Now, just so you know, these are individuals who have been pronounced clinically dead. So that means no brain activity, brain waves have stopped, heartbeat has ceased, some for 10, 20, 30 minutes or more. And then they're being resuscitated by the medical technology we have today. And they're coming back and reporting their experience that they were alive in another dimension and that they saw and heard things remarkably identical to what's recorded in this book right here, the Bible. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, my hope is that this study will help bring heaven down to earth that it'll shine some light on passages in the scripture about heaven, and that it'll give you extra motivation for your daily life. See, I personally believe that God is giving these testimonies to people today to give people hope. And my encouragement to you is just this. If you're a believer or an unbeliever, keep an open mind about this. But at the same time, I understand a little bit of healthy skepticism. I know when I first started studying this, I was like, wait, what is this all about? And especially as it pertains to individual testimonies that you hear, Why? Because it's just one person's experience, right? It's actually their interpretation of an experience they had. And people are fallible, right? Anybody in here perfect? Anybody? I'm still looking for that perfect person. Yeah, so we don't always get things right. But we know God's word is true. So we're always going to come back to this book right here. We're going to interpret all these near-death experiences in light of the scriptures. Now, for this study, I've been leading heavily on the research of John Burke, He's the author of a book, New York Times bestseller, called Imagine Heaven. And he studied this whole topic for 30 plus years. He's interacted with the world's leading experts on near-death experiences. And just so you know, I know John personally. His wife, Kathy, and I actually go back to the fourth grade together. Yeah, so I know he's a man of uprightness. He's a man of integrity. And I know he researched this intensively for 30 plus years before he wrote this book, Imagine Heaven. And as we've seen in this series, John has interviewed doctors, professors, bank presidents. He even interviewed one individual who's on the cover of Time magazine. And so these are credible people who have nothing to gain by making up some fanciful stories. And in this series, what I've been doing so far, I've kind of been covering the highlights. And if you've been tracking all along and you're interested in going deeper, I would encourage you to pick up John's book, Imagine Heaven. I've got it on Audible. I've listened to it multiple times, and it it brings joy and delight to my heart. It gets me excited about my future home in heaven. So as we get started this morning, I want to pick up where we left off last week. We were sort of taking a tour of the city of God. And if you missed the message last week, go online to hillcountry.life, check it out. It's not only a compelling message, but it also offers a lot of the biblical testimonies, the biblical scriptures that are referenced that back what we're talking about today. And we're going to focus a little more on the video testimonies this morning. But just so you know, the corresponding Bible verses, and there are literally hundreds of them, can be found either in my previous sermons or in John's book, Imagine Heaven. So as we get started, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you've put your faith in Jesus for forgiveness and eternal life, 
I want you to imagine that moment one day in the future, that time when you take that tiny little step from this life into the next, right? Not the end, but the beginning of the life you've always imagined. Like, what is that going to be like? And, and, you know, the Bible itself, it talks about the fact that within heaven, there's actually a city. There's a heavenly city in heaven. So try to picture your approach to the city. Many people who've had near-death experiences describe their approach, and they pretty much say the same thing. Don Piper said this, I continued to step closer to the gate, assuming I would go inside. He said, my friends and relatives were all in front of me calling, urging, inviting me to follow through this iridescent gate. As we came closer, the music increased and became more vivid. The closer we got, the more intense, alive, vivid, everything became. And just as I reached the gate, my senses were even more heightened. I felt deliriously happy. So imagine that day, like Christmas morning, but so much better. And you walk through that gate and you enter this city bursting with life. And there are gardens and parks and streets and trees and amphitheaters. And from what we understand, they're all made of otherworldly material, not entirely unlike the substances of earth, but also new as well. And so you're trying to soak all this in and your friends and relatives, they're showing you around and finally they bring you to your house, your eternal home, which chances are they've been a part of helping to construct under the design of the master designer, God himself. And I'm convinced that this is gonna be your dream home. So it's gonna look different for each person, right? I mean, Jesus has constructed something specifically tailored to your tastes. And I don't know what that's going to look like for you. Some of you, you're going to have a 200-inch supernaturally high-def television, right? Like a 10-dimensional TV, whatever that looks like, right? And a video game console to end all video game consoles. And maybe it's not virtual reality. Maybe it's reality. Like you're a live player in an action or adventure game that to end all adventure games. And there are eternal levels to explore. And whatever you can come up with here on earth, God's going to make it a thousand times cooler, I'm sure. And apparently the homes in heaven, a lot of them are going to be different based on different time periods in human history. But they're all beautifully designed and specifically tailored for their inhabitant. One of the most fascinating near-death experiences I heard about actually came from back in the 1890s. This is way before medical resuscitation, those types of things. Rebecca Springer described a near-death experience where she went up to heaven and she was shown her new home by her brother-in-law who had been a part of constructing it for her and her husband. And she said it was this beautiful two-story with verandas wrapping all the way around the home and exquisite marble columns and exquisite sitting rooms. I mean, stuff that people in the 1800s would love, but maybe not so much today. And she said her relatives had homes nearby and they would visit each other's homes. Sometimes they would spend time at the lake. And yes, there are lakes in heaven. But get this, they are filled with the water of the living God. And in these lakes, you you don't hold your breath. You can breathe underwater. And when you come out of these lakes, apparently you're instantaneously dry and you experience this exhilarating, cleansing feeling that some near-death experience people describe as a healing. That's the way they describe it. That sounds a little odd to us until you look at Revelation 22, 1 to 2. This too is in the Bible, people. It says, And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. 
On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That word can also mean the peoples. See, many more passages like this are in that book, Imagine Heaven. And I know it's wondrous and it's mysterious, but it's real. And then I want you to imagine Jesus coming up to you and explaining the work that you'll be doing in heaven. And some of you are going, work? Oh, man, I thought it was retirement. (laughs) No, no, there's work in heaven, but it's work when work is your passion. You ever had that feeling where you're just in the zone and you're loving your job? (laughs) That's what it's going to be like. Colton Burpo was a four-year-old boy when he had a near-death experience. And he was telling his father about it. And his dad asked him, well, what was your favorite part of heaven? And Colton shocked him. He said, dad, my favorite part of heaven was my homework. (laughs) And dad's like, what? Your homework? He said, yeah, dad. Jesus would come and give me assignments to do. That was my favorite part. You see, work in heaven is glorious. It's like when you get in a zone. It's like when you're lost in the project. You know, that happens to me every once in a while when I'm writing a sermon or I'm playing music, I'm in the zone, I'm just loving it. And if you think about it, time in heaven is irrelevant, right? So what does that mean? Well, there's no pressure. There are no deadlines. So the work of heaven will be a delight. So there's roles, there's responsibilities, there's work in heaven. Why? Because we were created in the beginning to work. I put some of these verses on your outline. We don't have time to cover them all. Genesis chapter 1. The very beginning, before the fall, okay, before sin, before frustration and decay and disease and computer viruses, okay, work was blissful. Like we were created to co-create. We were created to oversee with God. I want you to listen to how Dr. Mary Neal describes the people inside the city of God staying busy about God's work. So coming up to this dome structure, maybe... Was it a city? Could you tell? Was there something inside? Was there an entrance into it? There was an entrance. It was a big arched entrance and a wide threshold. What did that look like, that entrance? Well, similarly, it was almost like the old Roman block arches. But again, these blocks were uh, seemingly solid looking, but not. They were really woven together with love, which is nonsensical. Uh, but but you were aware of a structure? Yes, it seemed structural to me. And was there, and you know, the gate of heaven or It gate? wasn't, well, I don't, there wasn't a gate. When it was gate. just an archway. Yeah. And I would say again that if I had any inclination that I was coming back, I would have tried to make more mental notes because many of the questions are the same questions that I ask myself now. And I will say that I was able to see many, again, people, angels, spirits, I'm not sure, very busy. And I don't know what they were doing. Inside the Inside, they were all very busy. (laughs) I don't know what they were doing, but they were doing something and clearly doing God's work. So they're all doing God's work. I mean, if you love to create, imagine being asked to create for the president of the universe and then being able to display your creation. 
I mean, imagine having all the time in the world to finish that art project, that music composition you didn't have time for here on earth. Imagine having all the time in the world to research or explore or discover or build for the one who built the entire universe. Andy Ears, they describe all of this. Artists creating art like you've never seen before. Musicians working together to compose music like you've never heard in your life. People traveling and exploring universes that have never been explored before. It's like every joy and every delight of mankind here on earth, but magnified a thousand times over. Whatever experiences we have here, they're gonna be equal or different or, or opportunities in heaven that are gonna just blow away whatever we experience here. In fact, let me take a quick aside here because every once in a while, somebody will bemoan the fact that there won't be sex in heaven. And I, and I promise I'll keep this PG rated, all right? <laughs> I assure you. And sometimes people say, well, you know, like sex is the best thing I enjoy here on earth and I hear it's not gonna be in heaven. And so, you know, it's gonna be boring up there. I don't wanna go. Or, or at the very least, I better capitalize while I can here on earth, right? <laughs> Come on, re really? Can we call it time? If that's not a lie of the enemy, I don't know what is. Do you really think God would create something good here, like, like sex, okay, and have it remain in this broken, fallen world where everything's a limited, uh, just incomplete, messed up version of heaven, and then not have some other experience up there that will blow that away? No way, no way. By all accounts, the experiences up there will be a thousand more times more wonderful, a thousand times more intense, more magnificent, let me toss a C.S. Lewis quote your way. If you know me, you know I love C.S. Lewis. And he leaves no stone unturned, okay? In his book, Mere Christianity, listen to what C.S. Lewis said. He said, the happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight compared with which the most rapturous love between a man and a woman on this earth is mere milk and water, Okay. Sex will be the equivalent of mere milk and water compared to the experiences that we have up there. Well said, Clive, well said. I mean, nothing here on earth is gonna touch the experiences of heaven. All right, let's go back to the work that we'll enjoy in heaven. Dr. George Ritchie, he's a doctor and a psychiatrist, MD, had a near-death experience and listen to what he said. He said, Jesus led me into this dazzling building with high ceiling corridors and people walking about buzzing with excitement. Everyone, it looked like, was enthralled in discovery and on the verge of some great new breakthrough. Richie said, we entered a studio where music of a complexity I could not begin to follow was being composed. Next, we walked through a library the size of the whole University of Richmond. Here, I thought, are assembled the important books of the universe. But immediately, I also thought, that, that's impossible. I mean, how, how could books be written somewhere beyond earth? But the thought persisted, the key works of the universe. See, part of our reward in heaven are the types of projects and roles and creative endeavors and exploration and assignments we get to do because we were faithful to God here on earth. Revelation 22.3 says that in heaven, his servants will serve him. You will serve him. There's, there's work, there's service, but it's work when work is life-giving. Jesus said this in Matthew 19.28, I assure you that when the world is made new and the son of man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones judging or 
ruling the 12 tribes of Israel. See, ultimately, God's going to make everything new and glorious. And Jesus says, what we do in this life continues into the next. And God rewards our faithfulness. In fact, Jesus told a fascinating parable about this. He likened God to a wealthy man who was about to be made king. And this wealthy man took his money and entrusted it to 10 servants. And he said, okay, you guys, I want you to use this for my business purposes until I come back as king. Well, eventually he returns. And in Luke 19, the first servant reported this. Master, I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be the governor of 10 cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. And, and it goes on. And on. He's just saying that the rewards will be there. God rewards those who are faithful. And how faithful we've been to God here on earth determines how great our assignments will be later on. Because here's the deal, God is equipping us. God is equipping some to co-rule with him in eternity. Look at 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. It's amazing, but Jesus said it. Some will govern or rule over cities, over angels, over nations, over animals, over various projects. Again, it's work, but it's life-giving work. And just so you know, it's not all work and no play. Right, God is the originator of fun. I mean, anything fun that we've ever invented here on earth is because God created us to play, to explore. And if there's anything that you love about culture, exploration, anything you love about this life, folks, that's just a tiny taste of what God has in store for you. Listen as Don Piper describes this place you're about to live in. Well, the, the gate is quite large. Uh, itself, the entrance is small um, and the wall is very thick, but you can actually see through it. So I'm looking over these people and I can see through it. And there, there appears to be a, this massive boulevard that really kind of bisects the city and it is made of gold. But gold that is so pure, you can see through it. It's, it's what do you mean? Well, you can actually see through the gold. It's gold and it's visible and tangible, but it is it is pure. Now we can't imagine that here because gold on earth is one of the densest metals we have. But in heaven it's so pure you can see through it. So you can see under it. You can see even the roots of trees and things like that. There are trees there. In fact the tree of life is there mm -hmm. uh, that we were not able to eat of here. We can eat of it there. And you can, you're looking through I'm looking at the tree. The I'm looking through the gates. I'm looking through the gates. I'm looking down the street. There is a river that flows from this this throne or this hill that's high and lifted up. And I know that's the river of life because we're told that it flows from the throne of God. So uh, many of the things that we know and enjoy and love here uh, are visible there as well. Um, I would say this, and, and um, heaven's never going to be less than this. It's always going to be more. Yeah. So whatever you imagine here that is is meaningful to you, to you, the relationships, the beauty, and let's face it, there's some glorious places yeah. on earth, but there should be because God created it. This is his place. So heaven's not going to be less than that. 
it's going to be more than that. There are structures on both sides of the, of the city. Uh, they look like uh, mansions to me. I mean, they're glorious places for people to dwell. Um, so it, it's just a, it's just a, an incredibly awesome, overwhelming, bustling place. It's not a boring place. There aren't any cherubs sitting around in clouds playing harps. This is an active, exciting, thrilling place. I like that, a thrilling place, a thrilling place. But people, hear me on this, the, the highlight of it all, at the center of it all is this God of light and love. And if you didn't catch this throughout this series from the many near-death experience people who continually said it, it's, this is so, so important. I don't want you to miss this. Nothing compares to being in the presence of this God of light and love. Like all the beauties of heaven, all the wonderful people there, all these new sights and sounds and smells and sensations and colors and even flying, none of that compares to being in the presence of this God of light and love. Because what you'll realize in his presence is you begin to discover like who you are, that you are his special creation, that you are one of a kind, his unique son or daughter, and that you were created just for and in his presence, you want nothing else. Like you never, ever want to leave. So keep pursuing God. Keep going after God. Keep going after intimacy with him. That's the ultimate thing. Keep going after the knowledge of God and his will. Because one day, for those of you who name the name of Jesus, those of you who are Christians, you will pass over from this life to the next. And you will see your name written in that book of life. And you will go through that gate and hopefully you'll hear your king say, well, well, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, enter into my joy. We're gonna sing a song about heaven in a minute here, but let's pray together first. Lord, as we wrap this up and we think about the glories of heaven, I pray that this would inspire us. And God, if there's anybody here, anybody watching online who doesn't know for sure that they're going to be there, I pray that they would just trust in you. Just say, Jesus, I want to believe in you. Help my unbelief. I, I have doubts maybe, but God, I'm just turning to you. Would you draw me to yourself? I'm putting my faith in you. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you alone are the one who gives forgiveness and eternal life. Uh, for the rest of us, I pray that this series has opened our eyes, not just to these testimonies, but more importantly, to your word. Because these things that these people are describing is simply an elaboration of what's already been penned in scripture thousands of years ago. God, may it become real to us. Might we on a daily basis contemplate our future, contemplate that home, and live not for this world, but for the world to come. Help us each and every day to imagine heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.